Buddy, hi! <laughs> that was such a weird way to say hi. I apologize. You are listening to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. We are broadcasting from UBC's Point Gary campus on the unceded, ancestral, and traditional Musqueam territory in Vancouver. I am your host, Sada Unju, and I have a wonderful show for you today. Also, quick mention, I am back in Vancouver! So this is coming to you from Turkey, not not Turkey, this is coming to you from Vancouver, Canada, and not Turkey, is what I was trying to say. (laughs) So, quick overview, in no particular order, today we have a pre-recorded interview with Michelle Matias that Alex did, we have a pre-recorded review of Imagine Picasso that Olivia did, and we have a pre-recorded interview and a review that Lua did for the Museum of Anthropology. So (laughs) I am not sure in what order those are going to play. So you're just going to have to listen and see. (laughs) Without further ado, I'll let you enjoy today's content. Uh, Just to let you know, there will be quick ad and PSA breaks in between. They're not too long, maximum one minute, so don't go anywhere. Keep listening. And yeah, I'll be back. I'll be back sometime. Just just enjoy the content. Okay. Hello, CITR listeners. This is Alexandra Fester, and you are listening to The Arts Reports. I have a wonderful artist to introduce you to today. Uh, she's a global painter, sculptor, and people watcher with previous solo and group exhibitions in Vancouver, Richmond, San Francisco, Miami, and last but definitely not least, Paris. Thank you for joining me, Michelle Mathis. How are you today? Oh, I'm good. <laughs> wonderful. I'm excellent. Wonderful. To start off, uh, let's go deep dive into your art, Michelle. So your last exhibition in August of this year, right, it was called Uh Eyes Open, featured a collection of paintings of people from, you know, all walks of life, right? The Charles Baudelaire quote that you used uh, when promoting your work, I just love that quote so much. I'm just going to read it for the listeners here. So um, the quote itself, yeah, is what strange phenomenon we live, we find in a great city. All we need to do is stroll about with our eyes open. Life swarms with innocent monsters. I just love that quote. That, that's so fitting for Vancouver. Definitely. <laughs> so many individuals that you see when you're walking around. And uh, so much extremity as well. Um, yeah. I, that's why I chose the title for my show, of course. Yeah, I I mean, like you said, it's so fitting, right? You walk down a city street and there are 10 completely different people with completely different backgrounds all in the same location. It's crazy. 
It is uh, all speaking different languages too. <laughs> mm-hmm. What exactly is it about uh, the innocent monsters that so you know entices you to to paint them? Well, I think that um, life in the modern era, um, people are uh, sort of diverging into their own um, personalities and uh, interests and. Um, some people are becoming more and more extreme or you just see, uh, more extreme things in this era than you did maybe 30 years ago. You see more street people, more poverty, more wealth. Um, that's, that's, uh, what I think. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. The exhibition that you just did, so the eyes wide open, that was your return to Vancouver, correct? Yes, yes. And your first solo show with paintings, as opposed to you usually do sculptures. Yes. Um, I had been in solo shows in other places, but not, not or, uh, group shows, not solo shows in other cities. But this one was the first exhibition of solo, you know, solo paintings for me. Awesome. And what is it about Vancouver that makes it such a great place for art? I, I mean, I know you've done a lot of um, different places, right? San Francisco, Miami, I mean, Paris, those are amazing international locations. What makes Vancouver sort of the best home for your arts right now? Well, I guess that uh, a person is able to walk through the whole downtown peninsula. And part of that peninsula is on the ocean, and part of it isn't. So I walk, you know, from one end to the other, like from the far end of the West End to uh, Main Street, back and forth every day to my studio. So you see international um, people, you know, who are residents here, you know, but um, are residents part of the time. And then you see... Uh, street people who live here and you see ordinary people, you see business people, you see, um, you know, tourists. It's, uh, it's very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. There's such a huge, diverse selection of people here, you know? Uh Mm -hmm. Your, your paintings as well. I mean, they also represent such a diverse um, array of, of work. So your paintings are, are just so vivid. You know, they usually feature, you know, a person or an animal against a dark background. Uh-huh. I'm not an artist myself, but I do know there's a method for that. It's called uh, chiaroscuro. Is that correct? Yeah, that uh, comes from the Renaissance. Some of the artists during the Renaissance, would, especially the Italian ones, would um, – do directional lighting on their subject matter and it would highlight parts of the face and then there would be a very somber background and this makes for a feeling of contrast and drama Mm. and moodiness Mm -hmm. I definitely see that with your art I know you use that method in your art and I can definitely see that that contrast between like the person or the animal versus the really dark background, it really gives it like a huge perspective, you know, on the actual person or the animal. Right, right. 
Rembrandt uh, was famous for chiaroscuro. Yeah. Is that an artist that kind of inspires your work? Sometimes, yes. Definitely, I can see that in your own art. So, very cool. You have a lot of interesting stuff coming up, one of which is the Eastside Culture Crawl. So for yes. yeah, so for our listeners who aren't familiar with what that is, the Eastside Culture Crawl is uh, you know a highlight of the Vancouver art and cultural scene. There'll be about 400 plus artists there, all practicing a variety of different arts. Um, so painting, sculpture, poetry, jewelry, photography, you know, furniture making, things like that. So it's a really really cool event that's happening over two separate weekends, so the 12th to the 14th and the 18th to the 21st. So definitely go and check that out. Michelle, you will be attending this crawl. What can we expect to see from you at the crawl? Oh, you can expect to see a lot of my paintings. Um, I'm thrilled to be in it this year. I've never been able to be in the East Side Culture Crawl because my studio wasn't on the East Side. Mm. So, um, uh, like, I'm just on the border, and I am so thrilled to be in it. Um, you can expect to see a lot of figurative paintings of mine, just of uh, local Vancouver people that I've seen and painted. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah. One of my favorite uh, pieces I, I, I think I saw as being featured there is the Confessions with Cocktails. Yes. Yes. I love that piece. It's really, I mean, I can see myself in that piece of art, right? You know, you go down to, to the bar with your with your girlfriends and you just have chats and confess about your weekly activities. And it's just, it's like yeah. a starting experience. I think that you really captured on your canvas, which is really cool. Oh, well, thank you so much. Um I, I really like that painting, too, because, you know, you see, when you walk through the downtown, you look through uh, windows of hotels and bars, and you see people, and, you know, they're often having a good time, or they're often having an intense time, or, you know, it's just, you. I always wonder, you know, what they're talking about, or, and um, there's, there's a lot of happiness there, you know, uh, people who are visiting, who are tourists, and it's just fun. A wide selection of people to choose from, I'm sure. How do you, how do you yeah. choose who to, who to capture? It, it varies. Um, I take photographs with my iPhone. Sometimes I ask permission. <laughs> if they're far away, I don't ask permission. I you know, just zoom up and I change elements of it, maybe change the faces or change the backgrounds, change, you know, what they're wearing or whatever. Make it your yeah. own. That's right. That's right. And uh, I don't like, you know, sometimes in the alleys, I don't walk down the alleys at night. Uh, I might see somebody in the daytime but I don't photograph I leave out the garbage if it's there I guess I'm like Baudelaire you know I take something and I believe that honing beauty is more interesting than you know acquiring beauty that's already polished so yes um, beauty is yes. is not typically polished right it's it's in our own imperfections and our own flaws right where you find the most beauty and I definitely see that kind of in your work right 
Yeah, like um, this is a translation of what he said, but he said many a gem lies hidden in darkness and oblivion far, far away from the picks and drills. Wow, that is so perfect for your art. Like it's spot on. No, oh, thank you. <laughs> it really <Yeah>. is. <laughs> no, I yeah. mean, it's it's true. You really, with the dark background as well, you really kind of like focus in on on the people and even with their, you know, people always have imperfections, right? No one's polished. And then you can really kind of see right. that with the, yeah, in your art for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just try to capture the essence, the feeling. Yeah. Well, that's going to be great to see at the crawl. One of the best or one of the coolest, I would say not maybe not the best, but one of the coolest things that the crawl does feature is a 360 studio tour. Are we, can we oh. expect a studio tour from you? A remote studio tour? Yes. Now, I'm in um, a building. It's called 312 Main, mm -hmm. and it's on Main Street, but the door is on Cordova. So if anyone wants to come, don't go to the main door. Go to the side door on Cord Cordova. With the former police station, it's been re well, it's been renovated, and it, the lobby is extremely beautiful. And there's this room that is on the main floor, and um, some of my work will be in that room, and then some of my work will be down in the basement where my studio is. So I'll be in two different places. The building is normally locked, so... Anyone who wants to come, they have to contact me by email, and then I'll let them in. Okay. Or, uh, yeah. Perfect. And your yeah. contact info will be on the Culture Crawl. So if anybody is interested in doing that, definitely yeah. give Michelle That's right. an email. Send her an yeah. email. I love to see how, like, the process of how art is actually made, right? Because some people's oh, studios sure. are immaculate. Some people's studios are just a complete mess, but it's like a, it's like a creative mess. Um, so I just yeah. love that whole process. What can we kind of expect from yours? Well, I'll have a painting. It may be, I'm not sure if I'm going to be doing an encaustic wax one. Mm. Sometimes I put um, encaustic wax as the main layer. That's um, that's what the ancient Romans did on their tomb paintings. And they've lasted for like over 2,000 years. And so some of my paintings, I do that. But then some, I just use the normal oil painting process on canvas. So they can just come and see how I work, you know. I, I use photographs. Um, I would love to use live models, but it's kind of hard sometimes to do that. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Especially when I'm doing a theme like this, barking dogs. And, right, um, right. No, I can, I can understand that for sure. <laughs> well, if anyone right. is interested in being a, a live model for Michelle, please uh, reach out to her. <laughs> She's looking for some live models. Um, oh. <laughs> dogs included. Um, wonderful. Well, I'm so excited to see you at the Culture Crawl. Um, definitely, again, listeners, so it's between the 12th and the 14th, uh, and the 18th to the 21st, both remote and in person. So uh, please go ahead and take a look on their website. Uh, go check out Michelle's work. It's absolutely fantastic. Michelle, where can people kind of find your work and kind of see more about you? And Well, at my studio and also my website, which is 
Michelle Mathias Art, one word, dot com. Awesome. All right, listeners. Well, that's uh, that's the scoop. Go ahead and check out her website, her art, the Eastside Culture Crawl. It's going to be an awesome, awesome event. Michelle, thank you so much for, for chatting with us uh, here today, and we will see you at the Culture Crawl. It was my pleasure. I hope you come and visit Alexandria. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that interview that Alex did with Michelle Mattis. Also, I realized that I mispronounced her name in the beginning, so I apologize for that. I am not the best with names, and I seem to prove that literally every single episode. But you know what? That's all right, um, because we're going to go into a quick ad and PSA break. Don't go anywhere, and afterwards, we're going to have Lua's interview and review. So yeah, stay tuned for that. The haunting debut album Black Moon by Civic TV provides a cinematic backdrop, a modern-day symphony of the dark and light that is our collective reality. Take a listen to Black Moon, now available via Flemish Eye Records and on all streaming platforms. The Aboriginal Frontier Society is a culturally safe, peer-designed, non-judgmental place for Aboriginal peoples, their friends and their family in the downtown Eastside. It's an accessible space where Aboriginal folks can experience, learn and participate in traditional Aboriginal culture, teachings and ceremonies as part of their healing journey through life. Right now, they're accepting donations of food and warm clothing, which are needed more than ever as residents of the downtown Eastside face the challenges of COVID-19 and winter weather. If you're able to help, you can drop your donation off at 384 Main Street on weekdays between 9 a.m. and 2 p.m. That is 384 Main Street. To learn more about the Aboriginal Front Door Society and other ways that you can support their work, please visit abfrontdoor.org. Hey, welcome back. I know I said I wasn't going to interrupt before Lua's review and interview, but I just now realized that Lua and Jay are actually doing the more review together, so I thought I'd mention it, you know? Um, give a give a little shout out for Jay too, not just Lua. <laughs> but yeah, so now I'm gonna leave you again and I hope you enjoy. Hello everybody, this is Lua Prezij. I'm Jay Olenian. And we just uh, finished looking at the Sankofa exhibit here yeah. at MOA. This exhibit is opening on November 4th, which is today, and will be on until March 27th. So it's quite a while, which is really good because it's it's an extensive exhibit yeah. and it does require some time. Yeah, <laughs> you can come anytime you feel like it's always going to be open while the museum is open. Um, so Sankofa, African roots, Canadian roots, um, is um, the word Sankofa technically means the idea of moving forward while reaching back to connect with heritage and it originates from a Ghanaian um, ideology and our co-curators uh, Naya Lewis, Nuno Porto and Titi Lopez Salami um, chose this word because it means you know to go back and get it and in a way it's a way of reaching back to the past and, you know, acknowledging 
influences and inspiration from um, people of the past, and it decenters Western knowledge and philosophies. Um, and it's used by many black communities today to connect themselves with ancestral knowledge. I think, to me, this, the choice in this word and the fact that this word basically means like to connect with your ancestral knowledge is really telling of like the entire exhibit, right? Like, yeah. it's the exhibit is about okay, like who we are, where do we come from, where we're going, um, how do we define ourselves? If we don't have those roots, we are allowed to define ourselves for yeah. what we think we are, and I think that's really at the the root to use the word they use a lot, the root of yeah. it all, right? Yeah, and the focus on the cultural focus is Black and African um, diaspora, but also Canadian as well. It really highlights a lot of um, the untold history of the antiquity and historical um, relevance of, um, of Black communities in Canada, even before, you know, the colonial entity that we understand today. So walking into the exhibit, uh, the viewer will first be greeted with uh, some statistics taken from the 2016 census uh, surrounding uh, black people in Canada. And from there, you get a description of a lot of cultural elements and cultural different cultural aspects that I think remind me of the more anthropological sense of MOA, you know? I think I got used to a little bit, some of the exhibits in the past have been very focused on art and contemporary art, and I think this exhibit reminded me, like, you know, no, no, I'm in the Museum of Anthropology, yeah. uh, and those explanations of culture and cultural elements really brought me back to that. Yeah, um, so during the tour, um, it was mentioned that this was kind of like a, a de-exoticized approach because usually when you think of Africa or go to an African exhibit, it's a lot of, you know, fetish, masks, and just very... It, it, to be honest, the exhibit was a bit spiritual and ritualized, but not in the stereotypical sense. It was mm -hmm. very contemporary as well. Um, very diverse, very complex, and really takes information from like various forms of um, black culture and not just this like, you know, the stereotype of masks and masquerades. Um, yeah, and it really put it in context of the current era that we are living in, especially with the statistics. We were seeing all the statistics of like especially like atrocities that the Canadian government has committed against like black communities so that we can really understand that Africans aren't just like in the past and in history, but they also exist today. And so as we continue through the exhibit, there are a number of contemporary and um, what they described as, or what would be described in more anthropological terms as objects. But here in this exhibit in particular, like you said, Jay, it's not about like that fetishization or like putting it into that like quote unquote regular context. Um, but it is about embodying it and putting it into this very very human like hey like this is a living breathing culture and a living breathing people that are practicing this. Um, and so I think it's, it's really interesting to combine those two right like those cultural elements and those more contemporary art pieces. One part of the exhibit is focused entirely on religion and the more spiritual aspect, uh, cultural aspect of these different Western African nations, 
and diasporas to Canada. Another one is focused on more contemporary art pieces that have either been commissioned for the for this exhibit or there are a few that I thought was really interesting, a few uh, performance pieces and mm-hmm. video exhibits of those performance pieces. And honestly, I think two of my favorite pieces was Souvenir, which was a room installation of a number of uh, 19th century souvenir spoons, which, yeah. which sounds pretty funny. Like, oh yeah, what what you bring back for your mom? <laughs> oh, this spoon. <laughs> yeah, but it was a lot of them, not yeah. just one. Yeah, 2,000 yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, painted entirely black so that when you step back, you kind of just see this black mess. Not mess, mass. Sorry, my pronunciation there was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, but once you step closer, you realize like each one of them is very unique and each one of them has their own history and the use of souvenir, um, 19th, 19th century spoons, souvenir spoons, is also to put in the context of colonialism. Yeah, I agree. It, I feel like also like I got a sense of like diverse, like each individual, like when the way like black groups kind of get lumped together Mm -hmm. and they lose their own originality or uniqueness but like with each individual souvenir spoon you kind of have Hong Kong or like a little emblem to kind of like signify its like individuality even though they still exist collectively together Um, there was also like scanned uh, I'm not really sure how it was done but it's like almost captures like a white shadow Oh, of the spoons? Yeah, I think I think they maybe like spray painted all the spoons together. Okay. And then when they lifted them, oh, it, it left a... the imprint. I ah, think that's I that's what it was. Yeah, and it kind of like almost again touches on the the idea that these are not just objects; these are things that have like spirits and like stories attached to them. And yeah, they have the ability to leave a mark on the things around them. Um, I also really liked that idea as it was also like reiterated with like the textile um, installations where they actually had like clothing kind of put on these mounts where it looks like almost invisible ghosts wearing them Mm -hmm. and they kind of just have the essence of a human person wearing them Mm -hmm. but there isn't like actually a person it's just like air Um, I really like that because it took the beyond just like oh these are clothes from a culture but like these are clothes that people have been wearing and are still wearing today um which i think was very um like an apt point to make um they're not just like artifacts they have cultural importance yeah uh and i know that you also particularly liked the commission piece from uh Black Voices Gastown, I believe. Oh, yeah. the organization. Yeah, it's the basically like the floating altar um, with a bunch of like altar, I guess, um, gifts. Yeah, elements, yeah. Yeah. Uh, offerings. Like, yeah, offerings um, with sage, tobacco, and there were like these patches of soil mm-hmm. around them. It was very, I, I could like, I don't know, there was, <laughs> there was a feeling there where it's like, okay, yeah, this is actually like for veneration. Yeah, and I think that piece uh, particularly spoke to me uh, in the sense of, like, I, like many people that are mixed-raced or um, are part of the African diaspora in the Americas, don't have access to to their family tree. And so how do you connect to your heritage if you don't really know where it comes from, right? And so that piece is about 
basically looking at what you do have and allowing yourself to be able to create traditions from what you do have and create um, your identity from what you know, uh, even if what you know is is very little. Yeah. Know? But like, um, we're also talking about how uh, in Nigeria, where I'm from, people don't practice or worship the Orishas or like basically traditional deities as much as people in the, the diaspora, like in Cuba or Brazil. Actually, they have so much more knowledge about um, African culture and um, religious traditions because even though they don't, they are not from Africa, they have managed to kind of keep the, those traditions alive by doing, you know, the very thing that you just mentioned: being innovative, being creative, and coming up with new ways of preserving their practices. Um, so the exhibit also touched on like the Orishas, but also Islam and Christianity in the context of Africa and the diaspora today. Yeah, I thought that was that was that was really interesting. Um, overall, this was a really, really great, well, very well curated exhibit. And I think what Naya highlighted is like, it's African histories by African people, right? Like yeah. it's it's and particularly West Africa, because that's where the creators are from, and which makes perfect sense. You know, yeah. like you can only speak to what you know. And I'm really glad that MOA has this exhibit going on right now. Yeah. Um, I think it's great, and I honestly think it's a really big learning opportunity for a lot of people that haven't been exposed to these cultures yeah. or might not know a lot about them because they, they are here. They are in Canada. They are in Vancouver. As much as Vancouver tries to exclude some of that history or yeah. ignore some of the history, it is here, right? Like yeah. it is living and breathing and current and... Um, has always been. Right? It has and always it will been. will always yeah. continue to be. That's like one of the other themes is just like it's... In order to continue to move forward you have to continue to also reach back and take lessons from the past i and, and once again also want to reiterate that i think it was really educational especially about like canadian black communities because we don't really hear about that as much um so if you want to learn more about you know the history of black Canadians, you should also check this out. Oh, I almost forgot this one piece that actually looks at a newspaper from the 1950s versus last year and how as much as things have changed, things haven't really changed. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's worth the read to take a moment if you come to the exhibit to read those yeah. articles and be like, oh, this is how black people are represented in media. Yeah. You know? Also, and also just like the photography, I really liked um, that there was a lot of archival stuff used in this because it's like archive, there's nothing more evidential than archives, um, especially in the West. Um, the culture is always saved in the archives and it was very nice to actually see like photographic evidence of things that have been, I don't want to, you know, it's not too many spoilers, but you should like check out you will learn everything if you do check out the exhibit. And also, I really like the use of photography. It wasn't just like museum collections. There was also contemporary art. There was also photography, video performance. It was just so full. And yeah, um, 
Yeah, one of the yeah. curators, Titi Lopez, was not present, but it was nice that she was able to kind of like zoom in. <laughs> yeah, give us a zoom tour. Um, it wasn't like perfect, but it was still. She had so much to say about um, a lot of the artists that um, were commissioned for the exhibit. Yeah, so definitely come uh, and try to spend at least a, two hours yeah. in there. It's definitely worth your time. Um, if you haven't never been to MOA before, this is a great opportunity to come yeah. and visit MOA. It's a very peaceful place. We are currently seated, seated in front of a Bill Reed sculpture. Um, yeah, under a skylight. Under a beautiful skylight. It's yeah. raining outside, but it's everything's illuminated inside. And it's, it's just a lovely place to be. Yeah. So I hope you do come and you do enjoy uh, a stay at MOA. And uh, that is it. I, yes. I love this exhibit. And following this review, you will be listening to an interview with Naya about the exhibit. Yes, thank you very much. And hopefully you would also be hearing um, more from us about the exhibit and from the curators as well. Um, yes, thank you for listening. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Um, hello everyone, I'm Lou and I'm here with Naya, uh, one of the curators for Sankofa, the new exhibit happening here at MOA. How are you today, Naya? I'm doing well, how are you? I'm good. I'm really excited to see this exhibit. Uh, you mentioned it's the first of its kind. In the past, MOA has focused a lot on indigenous arts uh, from Australia one time, Canada obviously. <laughs> And now we're talking about the di African diaspora in Canada. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to ask you, why do you think this exhibit, this exhibit now? Like, why, why is it important now? Um, well, I think it's important to mention that they have done two. Um, one that was on Kenyan photography um, and one that was about Afro-Brazilian um, kind of cultural production in 2013. But given our population size and given... I think I feel like there's no way to like politely say it, but like <laughs> to crudely point out um, the first time that we're interacting with West African cultures, West Africa being a pinnacle of Black diasporic cultural understanding um, as a site or as the main site for transatlantic slavery, um, and as a main kind of uh, vehicle for cultural sharing um, in terms of the similarities between West African culture and Caribbean culture and how the diaspora grows and lives outside of Africa, it being like a very specific conduit. So when I say first of its kind, I mean first of its kind in that way, um, but also first of its kind in that um, black curators are curating their own histories. Um, generally speaking, I love Nuno Porto, um, who is the African <laughs> Collections curator. Um, but again, to have black curators come in and, and speak to uh, these cultures and these histories from an experiential uh, position is is important and I think uh, in this time where the museum and institutions all across the world are being called into accountability around um, how they position themselves within the like larger colonial ethnographic and anthropological space mm -hmm. um, that it's a good conversation both about repositioning and retribution um, but I, I mean one that again we started this we started this exhibit in 2018 mm -hmm. um, and so while the conversation is is ready for is ripe for the for the picking right now, right post George Floyd, um, it is something that the Black community here in Vancouver has been calling Moa into accountability for for quite some time as well. No, so yeah, and I think something that I found really interesting about this exhibit is that 
uh, it tries to basically connect like history and living culture. Mm. Um, I think a lot of times when you go into anthropology museums, you tend to see cultures and like, oh, this thing happened. Mm -hmm. And you forget that, you know, no, no, no. Like mm. these are living, breathing cultures mm. that people are, you know, practicing every yeah, day. Yeah. And so in conversation with that process, mm -hmm. um, how do you see this conversation between history and living culture happening in this exhibit? Mm -hmm. Or how was it for you to curate it in this way? Um, I think that's interesting because I think that it is very uh, colonial to think about history as something that's past um, or to think about it in a, in a, in a timeline. I think that's I think that's what's fed to us, right? Mm -hmm. That history is something that happened before, right? And right now is the present, and the next step is the future, and these things are happening in, like, progression in that way. But it's not indigenous, and it's not African, right? In the sense that histories are ongoing, that the histories that were present in the 1800s are the histories that are present now. And I think that's what we're questioning, right? With understanding that African roots and using that word roots as, like, a bypass or a byway or a mode of um, our vehicle, of, of transmission of histories and cultures. Cultures is that it is living. It all is always living. Um, and so it's not it's not as uh, stark difference as, mm -hmm. as one would think, yeah. right? It didn't take a lot to kind of draw those connections. Um, what we're saying is um, what we know to be true about indigenous culture, that these histories are inherited and that they're embodied and that we carry them always. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then one more thing, uh, the introduction of the exhibit, um, Jay pointed this out that it focuses on Ghana and she was curious on like why Ghana in particular um, so so the beginning we cannot we cannot erase that Sankofa is an Akan term it is of the Akan people which is modern-day Ghana and Cote d'Ivoire we can't erase that um, I am specifically Trinidadian and Ghanaian and the first thing that we discussed when we came to this exhibit, both myself and Titilope, which is the other um, West African and Nigerian curator, is that we cannot do Africa. There is no such thing as one Africa. There is no such thing. We're not doing an African exhibit. We are doing a West African exhibit. We are specifically talking about Ghana and Lagos in relation to Canadian histories and to black placement in BC. Um, why that's important is because I'm not Southern. I'm not Kenyan, I'm not North African, right? I am specifically Ghanaian and Trinidadian. And it is important, even within the black culture, to position yourself in your own histories. They're not all mine to tell, right? Just the ones that belong to me. Um, and so as we start with the title Sankofa, it was important for this front section to understand that we didn't pull this title out of the air, that it has really, really rich roots and grounding in something and in a people and a community that's important to understand where it's derived from. And from this position of understanding Ghanaian culture and the Idinkra symbols and Yoruba culture, that we can have a larger conversation about how it's been appropriated by Black people all, all across the world to mean something very different and to have that process of reclamation, right? But we cannot ignore um, that ancestrally, this is where I'm from. <laughs> ancestrally, <laughs> this is how the term lives. Um, and, and that what we are doing is borrowing it and repurposing it to understand more about ourselves as African people who have been displaced. And so just to finish this short interview, I was curious if there's any particular piece or particular installation that um, is like your favorite, you hold really close to your heart. 
Oh man, <laughs> I it's, know, it's, a, it's a tough. Like, <laughs> you know what? It's like a thing that programmers are never supposed to say. Which ones oh, are their favorite? Because there's so many wonderful artists here, and they're all wonderful. Um, but maybe I will point to the collections then, as opposed to the contemporary works. Um, the pieces that come out of the Orisha section, um, as someone who has a family that practices Ifa and Yoruba um, kind of divination, it is. Um, Arisha divination, excuse me, it is it is breathtaking and I love adornment and some of the beading on um, the ancestral costumes in that section are absolutely to die for and I stay there often just to like marvel at them and wish that I could touch them without gloves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, yeah, one hour is not enough to see this exhibit. It's very extensive, very beautiful. And I'm excited to come back. Thank you so much. Yeah. And thank you so much for your time today. Of course. Have a good one. A Tribe Called Red is the Hallucination. With their new record, One More Saturday Night. Featuring Havia Mighty, Tanya Tagak, and more. Out now. Individuals who experienced sexual misconduct as a member of the Canadian Armed Forces or as an employee of the Department of National Defence and or staff of the non-public funds Canadian Forces may qualify for financial compensation and participate in a restorative engagement program. Claims for financial compensation and the restorative engagement program must be filed by November 24, 2021. File a claim. Participate in restorative engagement. Be heard. File a claim at caf-dndsexualmisconductclassaction.ca. Hello again. Hi. We hope you enjoyed that review and interview with Lua and Jay. And lastly on today's show is Olivia's review of Imagine Picasso. If you've been active on Instagram, you would have seen so many people attending Imagine Van Gogh. If you don't know what it is, it's basically an immersive art exhibition where they showed Van Gogh's pieces with... Um, I don't really know how to explain this, actually. Well, you're basically walking through the art pieces. They're projected onto the wall the ground I believe and so you know you're in the art pieces and after so much success they decided to do an Imagine Picasso and Olivia had reviewed Imagine Van Gogh when it was um, still in Vancouver and you can actually listen to that review uh, because we podcast every episode. Hey, shameless plug. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and CITR.ca. Just search Arts Report CITR and we should pop up. Our picture is red and you'll see it. Yeah, so Olivia's review is on March 31st episode, which is called Filled to the Brim. And her review is specifically on the 50th minute mark so 50 minutes and 53 seconds if you want to skip ahead to the review and yeah if you've listened to that review before if you've been to Van imagine Van Gogh or not 
we're still gonna play you the Imagine Picasso review <laughs> because Olivia went to it and she wanted to do a review for this one too. So I hope you enjoy and then I'll be right back after Olivia's review to close off the show and then yeah, I'll be here next week. <laughs> Hi everyone, my name is Olivia and today I will be reviewing the Imagine Picasso Immersive Exhibition, which will be running from October 27th of this year until January 8th, 2022. Created by Annabelle Mauger and Julian Barron, this show also features Rudy Ricciotti as architect and Andrula Michael as curator. I attended one of the show's preview evenings and had a wonderful time. The show is being held in the Vancouver Convention Center, and the walk down the indoor corridor to the show was perfectly manageable and quite preferable to the rainy evening outside. The staff were super informative and friendly and elevated the experience as a whole for me. Upon entering the exhibition, there were a couple rooms that were filled with these beautiful informative cards detailing Picasso, his life, and his work. They were nicely spaced and well lit amongst the dark background. Some were along the walls, while the second room's posters hung from the ceiling, evenly spaced, allowing multiple people to view either side at once. There were a couple images of the artist that stood alone as well. The right wall of the second room contained a plethora of photos of his artwork, ranging in size and creating a dynamic and interesting viewing experience outside of the information cards. The exhibit itself took up the space of a very large convention hall, but it was anything but plain. The screens along the wall were dynamic and angled and never failed to be interesting. Throughout the space were numerous little piles of screens on the ground. They rose up like jagged pieces of ice and added dimension and separation to the space. This really worked in favor of the exhibition because it allowed for so many ways to view and understand the piece as a whole. Simply where you stood would change your view of the entire show, and this meant that the 30-ish minute long loop of artwork and music could be enjoyed as you actively walked around and explored different paths. I personally backtracked, reversed my direction, and took new turns throughout the show and never felt bored or unentertained. You're welcome to stay within the exhibition space to watch the show again once the loop is finished, but once you do get ready to exit, you're first met with a charming little gift shop that's filled with all sorts of gifts pertaining to the exhibition and Picasso himself. I was particularly fond of the t-shirts made for the show. The shop selection was very well curated, and I found it to be a well-placed addition at the very end. Overall, I really enjoyed Imagine Picasso and would wholly recommend those listening to take a visit as mentioned earlier, you can catch the show between now and January 8th, with tickets available for purchase online at imagine-picasso.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, okay! Come, come. Come close to the mic. Here's, here's a great joke for you guys, pre- presented by my friend Alex. What did the museum say when someone stole the paintings? Where did that van go? <laughs> Thank you for your contribution, Alex. I appreciate that. (laughs) With that wonderful joke, (laughs) we are at the end of today's show. I hope you enjoyed this episode. After today, you're going to be able to go back to it and listen to it again. If you forget the joke and want to hear it again, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and CITR.ca. We are also on Instagram, Arts Report CITR, Twitter, CITR underscore Arts Report, and Facebook, 
Art Support on CITR 101.9 FM. Next week, we have a wonderful show for you today. We actually have a giveaway next week. Two tickets for Dance House's second in-person production of the year. So tune in next week to be, you know, to maybe win tickets. Yeah. But for now, that is all. Have a lovely day, folks, and see you on the next one. Nihilism, staring at the river, filled to the brim, about to vomit the cynicism, a common of indecision. I'm common, these inhibitions were common, it's filled with liquor to honor this indivision. I'm sterilizing my soul with it, shit, cause they've been trying to poke a hole in it. But even if they do, I'm putting diamonds and gold in it. Every wound I shine through, remind me there's no limits. I learn how to see through the pain when it's so tinted. Oh, no, no. They just do the buzzwords, they ain't really concerned. I've been trying to conserve now. If I shout it screams cause I'm butt hurt Voice a lonely week and I don't want burn out I've been trying to say more with less words I've been trying to say more with less words I've been trying to say more with fuck that they gon' hear a syllable I ain't scared of the ridicule I came here to get rid of who came in here to get rid of To say my stories and then the new my life about to be a class Find balance on every bar, my fight will be gymnastic Cross me, you getting fucked, consider me a cast Sorry mom, but if they send bombs to my door And I break into pieces I've been trying to put together all on my floor And I ain't seen the ceiling I would die for That that ain't worth to die for So I can't quiet my roar And I don't really, I don't really, I don't really wanna go away yet So tell me, can I, tell me, can I, tell me, can I, tell me, can I stay yet Just the type of man I thought I'd always be now I'm ready, yes I'm gonna be, I gotta leave now You gotta learn a lot of notes before you freestyle La, la, la. I'm from New York, I say whatever when I'm mad Earn stripes to be a star, say whatever about the flag The reality is bleak and the rhetoric is sad Never deadly, we don't care about the evidence we have So, I've been trying to say more with less words I've been trying to say more with less words I've been trying to say more with fuck that I'ma scream to the ethers until we get us some love back, homie
I've been trying to do more and say less. I'm just warming up, homie. I ain't even play yet. And I don't really, I don't really, I don't really wanna go away yet. So tell me, can I? Tell me, can I? Tell me, can I? Tell me, can I stay yet? Just the type of man I thought I'd always be. Now I'm ready, yes I'm gonna be. I gotta leave now. You gotta learn a lot of those before you freestyle. La la. You wanna brawl with the tough guys down and-